At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, April the 9th, 2017. Of course, you can check out the show all the time at MetsMarizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia, and you can check out the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm probably there. Hope everybody's doing well. It's actually Sunday morning I'm recording this, so... If you're catching this after the Mets Sunday night game, obviously I apologize. These Sunday night games are tricky to do the podcast because there's just no way, especially with the way games are going now. This game, ESPN game, starts at 8. That thing's not going to be over until 11.30, maybe midnight. And then you want me to do a recap at that point? Good luck on that. Um, if I could stay and, and stay up for the whole game with the way it's going, and I obviously that will depend on how the game is going because the last two nights have been pretty brutal. It's been an interesting first week. Anyway, hope everybody's doing uh, uh, well. I hope everybody's having a fun opening week. And the theme, and I'm going to steal this. I'm going to shamelessly steal the theme of this podcast from Casey Stern of MLB Network Radio and call it Opening Week Overreactions. Actually, I think he had something called Opening Day Overreactions the other day on uh, Sirius MLB Network Radio. But I'm going to have an opening week because there's a lot to overreact to, and I don't think all of it is necessarily – Unfair, because when you really look at this Mets team, by bringing back the same cast of characters, which I supported, I think there's a value to having consistency and and turnover. And I think it was the best options for Sandy Alderson after last year. It's not like this week is, well, let's see. You know what this team is about. And if you look at last year, this team built an entire season of success on two months, April and September with a little bit of success in between. And uh, and that's something that's going to be a theme today. And who better to join me in a little bit than you may remember him from the Sports Zone, WOR. He was the producer over there at WOR Sports Zone. The, obviously the pregame show, what you hear, Pete McCarthy, Salicata, uh, Joe Kersey's over there uh, as well over at the Sports Zone. 
Uh, he's not there anymore. He's still at WOR, but he's doing some things on the news side. He has a, a, a SoundCloud podcast called Flippin' the Mic, flippinoutradio.com. It's James Flippin'. So if anybody, if you follow James on Twitter, at J-A-M-A drop, he's the guy to follow during Mets games if you want to be the paranoid overreactive Mets pundit. Let's put it that way. So he'll be joining me in just a few minutes. But anyway, I mean, the point here is this, is that I don't think it's unfair to totally overreact because you know that what you've seen offensively out of this team, some of the really... I'm trying to find the right adjective here. Really kind of sleepy, I guess, is the way, at bats, offense. And I don't want to hear about the cold because it was cold for both teams. And even Neil Walker said that after the game. Forget about the cold. That's not the reason why he struck out four times last night. Um, You know, it's a very feast or famine team. And I said this coming out of the spring, and I know that I hoped that it was different. I'm not sure it's going to be. I think you got a lot of guys who are streaky hitters home run hitters, guys who are looking to punish the baseball hit one out. That doesn't lend itself well to New York, City Field, cold, April. So keep that in mind. Uh, I think defensively we've seen some shoddy defense, but I don't think anybody expected them to be the 85 Cardinals defensively or with speed. And this is who you have. This is the kind of team. And I think most importantly, this is a very business-like team. I don't think they get too high. I don't think they get too low. The only time you saw some semblance of drama last year was when Terry went off in August in the, after the Arizona series and had that whole rant about Las Vegas and getting guys that you know could replace the guys there. That's about as as candid, I think, as you're going to get. This is, this is a team, just like the general manager, that's very much about the day-in and day-out grind. And that's not sexy. See, you heard Jose Reyes say, well, this is a more talented team than the 2006 team. And I could make the debate why that team is better on in some instances than this one, but that's not what this is about. This team is not like 06. Where there was an energy level that came with the speed and the youth and the home runs and I think the dancing and some of the things that they did. In prime, early prime actually, Reyes leading the game off with that energy. A lot different than this version of Reyes and this team that doesn't really base itself on the speed of Reyes, even though he's at the top of the lineup and playing every day. So that's not sexy, and I think that's the point. Know what the formula is for this team? The formula is for this team is a crooked number, maybe one or two innings, really good starting pitching, and then give it to Salas, Blevins, Reed, and when he comes back, Familia. Now, when you get the win, it's fun, but I don't know if it's going to be this sexy, you know, rah-rah, you know, really energetic, because I think the only thing that matters, and I said this last year, the only thing that matters for Mets fans to get excited about is another postseason run. You know, they won the division. They're back to the playoffs. They want to make the playoffs third year. This stuff is where you want to hang your hat. You want a title. The innocent climb and how quickly they jumped to that World Series, which was a good thing. I'm not criticizing it. Took away all that. So now it's like, well, I'll get excited when I get back. So it's the business-like approach. Now, let's talk about some of the overreactions, because that's the whole point of this, is opening week over, overreactions. Number one, you heard John Har- well, you read John Harper say in the New York Daily News that DeGrom, Harvey, Syndergaard could be the best big three in baseball. I don't disagree with that, especially how they looked. I know it's the Braves, but the Braves have Freddie Freeman, Matt Kemp, uh, Dammy Swanson, uh, you know, and Ciarte. They got some decent young players. It's not like the anemic 
impotent offense that you saw early last year, but they're still a bad team. They were dominant, those three. Here's my thing, and I don't want to start making a big deal about it after one week. And Bill Madden, uh, back at the Daily News, wrote about how you know these pitchers go in six innings. That's not acceptable for great pitchers, six innings. It's not, and I don't, I'm not going to say that's going to happen all the time, and I know why they did it with Harvey, and I understand Syndergaard had the blister. I think they could have pushed DeGrom maybe another inning, but he's coming back, and I know why Terry's doing it. They're trying to build this up to be these three to be where they need to be when it counts. And by the way, out of those big three, put Gazelle, and I know he didn't have his stuff last night, but I agree with Collins. He battled through it, and I'll give Wheeler a pass. Tough, tough scenario weather-wise, first start back against a pretty good offensive team. So we'll put Wheeler to the side for now. But you are not going to be a great big three if you go six innings. Because here's what's going to happen. You go six innings, you're going to hand it off to early. Now, when, when Familia comes back, it makes it a little bit better where you can go to Salas. Then you can do the Blevins-Salas lefty-righty. Then go to Reed, then go to Familia. But you're going to burn those two guys out. Um, you're going to burn out, more importantly... Uh, the Salas Blevins portion, and then that makes you have to go more often to Smoker Robles, who I'm not a fan of. If you follow me on Twitter at Mike Silomita, you know that. I think he's caveman rockhead baseball, just wants to throw hard, doesn't know how to pitch. Okay, now you get Seawald up, and you'll have that rotation coming from Vegas. I know they're going to have to probably use some more of those guys because I think you can have times like this week where they send Ty Kelly down where their bullpen's overworked. Montero, I think, is no good. I, I, I just don't see any progress there. Not as a starter, not in the bullpen. So they may have to. I know they've looked. They, they've, they've the name Doug Fister has come up, who I like. I always liked. I know he's not the same pitcher since he's been hurt, but there's a guy that will just give you innings. And again, you saw Bartolo Colon. It would be great to have Bartolo Colon on this roster, but I don't think you could pay, pay him twelve and a half, thirteen million dollars for for what really at some point makes him a sixth starter. But maybe they at that point, I think if they knew that Seth Lugo was hurt. I, I, and Matt's was going to have this this kind of setback. I think I think they would have maybe rethought that maybe, but budget is of, a, of 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 concern there as well. So that's my first thing. You could talk about the positive here, which is the pitching, but the overreaction here is that well, if they're going to be six inning pitchers, then you know this is not this is not going to go where you think it is. And I don't want to hear how how great they are when they're only pitching six innings, even in the modern game. You need to go seven innings. That's the threshold. You get into the eighth, even better. Once in a while, you could push that. But give me seven innings. Great, great pitchers in this era go seven innings. Or very good. You know, maybe I'm being unfair looking at Bumgarner and Kershaw and things like that. But that's, that's the first, you know, positive turned into an overreaction. The second thing with the offense, look, the offense is what it is. It's going to be a bully offense. It's not going to be an offense that's going to put pressure on a team every inning of every game. It's going to be an offense that's going to explode, go to sleep, explode. You get two or three innings out of them, uh, and you get a couple of crooked numbers, four or five runs. If this offense can put it together, it's plenty to win these games, especially when those three aforementioned pitchers are pitching. Travis Darno, we'll see. Jerry's out there. At one point, like I tweeted, and I used the old uh, office space, and I'll have to bring that up to James, the office space thing. Uh, can't hit, can't throw, can't call a game. You know, remember the old the, the bobs, the consultants? What what do you do? What do you do here, right? We'll see. I mean, he had a big hit. I mean, his hit may have been the reason why they're they're not one in uh, one in four. Now, 
this is not a team that's going to lose 97 games, which, which they're on pace to do right now. Nor was it a team just a couple of days ago before the Florida series, before the Miami series, I should say, keep calling them Florida, that was going to win 108 games. I didn't see that as well. I think this is a team that's going to compete. I think the, the Nats are not an invincible team. I think you've seen that over the last couple of days. Compete for the division. I think uh, at the very least they should be in the mix for some of the, for that wild card. And I've said this, and I sound like a broken record, and if you watched it, you've listened to this podcast since its inception – Last year, you can mess around in this era of two wild cards for probably half the season, maybe more, and find yourself. That's what the Mets did last year. Now, you got to be careful because there are going to be seasons where the wild card team wins high 90s. Then you have to play at a high, maybe higher level than even just winning the division, like you saw with Pittsburgh and Chicago and, and, and with St. Louis winning 100 games that a couple of years back. The Mets were not in the division where the Nationals came back to the pack and had their issues, they probably wouldn't have made the playoffs. They would have had a very nice season that showed promise. But so be it. You know, we've, It's not the first time you've seen a team play in the right division or be put in the right scenario. I don't know if anybody that's competing uh, are 97-win teams here, San Francisco, uh, things like that. So, you know, that that's what I'll say. But... um. You know, this is going to be some points of frustration. Look, last year, this is a team that's going to have streaky times, streaky games, streaky innings. I think it's a streaky offensive team, and I think that's the part where it's going to sometimes feel like, uh, you know, the old Rangers and the Tortorella, you know, 2-1 games. That's how they're going to win, you know, at times, I think, because I think they're going to need that. I think there's going to be games where they explode. I think there's going to be not a lot of offense on a consistent basis because they're based on power. An on-base percentage, or basically the old old Weaver, wait for the three-run homer. So we could overreact, and that's fine. But not all things are going to be what you see after this week. I don't think the you know right now the 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 the, the Phillies are second in the league in runs at six and point two runs per game. Now that helps when they had an explosion. I think they scored about seventeen runs last night. Arizona is averaging seven and a half runs a game. Atlanta's last in the league. Uh, the Mets are are a little over three runs a game, which is uh, you know, even Colorado. Look, and they haven't. I don't think they've played a home game yet, but they're averaging less than four runs a game. You know, the Nats are right around league average. You know, the Cubs as well. So anyway, things are going to change. Um, I think it would be nice to get it started tonight with Syndergaard. We'll see. I mean, coming off the blister, this is why you have an ace, and this is where he needs to step up. You know what? Go out there, give him seven innings tonight. Give the bullpen. I know I'm not going to get into Terry and the bullpen utilization right now. It's too soon for me to get on that kick. But give him seven innings, hand the ball to uh, the bullpen after seven with a decent lead, you know, let Reed and, and the company, I don't know what Salas' availability in Blevins, they've been used a lot. I don't know what they would do tonight in the eighth inning. But I think they really need seven. Maybe, look, a real ace, even early in the season, would give you eight. It'll get you into the eighth so that maybe you don't have to worry too much about overtaxing the bullpen. But, Anyway, we're in a different era, so I'm not going to get into that. All right, let's take a quick break. When I return, James Flippin is going to join me, and uh, let's overreact together. Let's overreact to the Mets 2-3 and three start, potentially 2-4 and four or 3-3. Three and three. Again, recording it before the game tonight, so if you're listening to this during the week, I apologize. You know, this is the best I can do with these, uh, these ESPN games, which I know there's a few of them throughout the season, and uh, I'd like to give you the most fresh, best content, but so be it. 
You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check out the show all the time at our partner, MetsMorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and check out the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, pretty much all the podcasting services that are out there. I'm probably on there. Let me know if I'm not on there. I'll try to get on there. We'll be back with more Mets talk right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, Online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back, Talking Mets podcast, and I'm happy to have with me. It's been a while. I think uh, probably late last year maybe or early last year, but it's funny. Anytime things are not going well, I always like to go to James Flippin. You can check him out over on Twitter at Drop. You probably remember him from the Sports Zone at WOR. He's still over at WOR doing news, flipping out radio, and he also has his own Mets podcast, Flippin' the Mic, which you could check out on SoundCloud. And this episode is labeled, James, opening week overreactions, and I threw some of mine out there. But, I mean, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way. You're, you're the ultimate guy to talk to. This is why I, I, I scheduled you. I said, if the Mets were five, going on 5-0, and oh, I'd say, ah, you know what, we'll, we'll wait. But at 2-3, and three, facing 2-4 and four later tonight, uh, you were the right guy to have on. So opening week overreactions. I'll steal that. That was actually a Casey Stern thing from uh, Sirius that I stole. So, anyway. Yep. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, uh, Mike, and I appreciate you having me on. It definitely makes sense that I would be uh, designated as the overreaction guest. I, I know it. I, I'm self-aware, but yet I can't sort of ever really make that mental leap where I kind of like back off a little bit. And I think it's because, to be honest with you, not to just jump right into it and like take over the 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 conversation, no, but I just want to say that it's been several years that we've seen a team that is predicated upon dominant starting pitching and mediocre offense. And I'm not going to say that that's something that's going to be perhaps the entire season's narrative, that we're never going to see times when they go out there and score some runs, that there's never going to be times when there's more guys who aren't scuffling you know, Jose Reyes has looked terrible so far last night. Neil Walker strikes out four times. Um, you know, these are guys that I have some degree of confidence aren't going to be obviously trash the entire season. But it's just the, the term that I've been using is it's a little shop worn. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit stale. This notion of needing to play with a razor's edge every single night. And look, there's plenty of teams out there that would crawl over broken glass to have somebody like Jacob DeGrom, even Matt Harvey as their number one starter, as their ace. 
and, and we know that's the fact, and, and we know that that happens, and we know what it is to be so blessed from a starting pitching perspective. But it's just one of those things, man. From a baseball fan perspective, you want a little more balance than that. And what, the season started? There's not a whole lot you can do about the overall structure of the team. Um, you know, Jay Bruce, Curtis Granderson, the outfield defense is a little bit challenged right now. I want to see Michael Conforto out there. Look, call it an overreaction. Call it too early of a statement. Call it a throwing down of the gauntlet, whatever you want. Conforto has to be out there because he's one of the only guys on the roster right now, other than Joanna Cespedes, that represents the ability to be the middle of the order hitter. So if that's an overreaction, and I'll throw you, I'll throw you something else to worry nights. about. Here's the Go other ahead. thing. I mean, I'll, and I'll throw the, like the pitching's been good. I think Terry was correct in his assessment that Gazelman battled through last night. I'm going to give Wheeler a pass. First start back, Friday was awful. I know the, the weather was bad for Chen as well, but it's, you know, and I'm not a big Wheeler guy, but I'm going to give him a pass. Here's the thing, and I saw the John Harper column earlier this weekend. Yes, the big three of Harvey DeGrom and Syndergaard can be great, maybe the best big three in baseball. And I know you want to build them up to be healthy and good when it matters the most, which is late in the year in the postseason. But if they're going to pitch six innings, Two things is going to happen. Two things are going to happen. That is, two things are going to happen. One, uh, you're going to burn out your bullpen. Two, you're going to go to guys like Hansel Robles, like Josh, and I like Josh Smoker, Seawald, who, you know, all three of those guys have potential, but all three have the ability to, to cough it up. Um, and, 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 and here's the, the third component. If you're a six-inning pitcher, in my eyes, you're not great. Because Bumgarner is not a six-inning pitcher. Kershaw is not a six-inning pitcher. These are not guys with, uh, you know, I know they're coming back from injuries, at least two of the three. These are not guys that are a year or two in the league. You have to push them. And, uh, and I'll even throw in this, I mean, the, the report today with Steven Matz, where the Mets doctors say he's healthy and his independent doctor says he's not. That's not uncommon that the team would take a different position, but that's a disparate, a disparate position where one says there's a tear, the other says there's not. If they think they're going to feel good or the team is going to think they're only going to pitch them when they're feeling perfect, then they're never going to pitch. And they're never going to go after six innings. And I'll tell you what, this team will not win. They have to get another inning, inning and a half, at least an inning consistently out of those guys. Because you're right, the offense is going to be feast or fan. Yeah, and I mean, look, the whole Stephen Matz thing at this point is crossing over into like, officially worrisome territory because it's not just the fragile nature of his arm or his inability to kind of pitch through to discomfort or, or, or his sort of unwillingness to do that because I'm not going to speculate on that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about that last year. You know, the Mets thinking maybe he wasn't pitching through that bones enough or willing to do, you know, maybe his camp coming back and saying, no, that's not the case. We're being, you know, cautious where you guys aren't and all this kind of thing. Um, the most worrisome thing is how it feels like it, with the Mets' recent success, they've gotten past some of this issue where the Mets' representation feels a certain way and the players' representation feels a certain way and it all plays out in the press and it's very ugly and it kind of represents a, a bad feeling between player and team. We feel It feels like we've gotten away from some of that stuff. That feels like an older era in Mets' history. You know, now it's more about 
again, the stuff we're talking about, can the offense match up with the pitching and all that kind of stuff. The older narrative is that kind of like messy PR stuff. And that's what it feels like here with Nats because there was some of this last year. It bubbled underneath the surface. Now he hasn't even pitched a game yet this year. And there's already rumblings of, oh, well, the Mets feel a certain way. His team feels a certain way, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what to say about Steven Mets. Um, you know, the guy's got all the talent in the world. You know, clearly he dominated coming up through the ranks in the minors, came out like a cannon when he first came up to the majors, has shown flashes. But, um, look, if you can't stay healthy, it doesn't mean a whole lot. And I, I was even talking to a buddy of mine the other day, and I said, you know, I'd almost like to think maybe Matt should be a guy that gets transitioned and you think about using him out of the bullpen because you're trying to protect that wing a little bit. And, of course, he said, well, you know, I don't know about that. Then you're talking about him having to pitch back A's, and that's totally changing it. But, I mean, it, there's got to be some way to get something out of that arm unless it's just completely and utterly broken. And I, I don't mean to be overdramatic about that. We're, not, we're trying not to do, what is it, opening week overreactions? Opening week overreactions. But, um, Again, I, I, can't, I can't take credit for that. That was a Casey Stern thing, but it did well, Casey Stern, is, well. he's good about that kind of stuff. Yeah, Casey Stern has, has talked me down from chicken little status before. Um, he's not high so on that, the That's Mets, a good though. guy. I will tell you, he's not high on the Mets. That no, I know. I know. He was he was down on their offseason. I, I heard him do a few different interviews, and I talked with him, actually. I, I worked with him. You know, of course, you're talking about the guy who hosts for MLB Network Radio, and, and I worked with him on NFL Radio. And um, we'd talk during the commercial breaks, and he'd say, I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with this. So, you know, it, not everybody went in. I, I, look, full disclosure, I went into the season expecting them to be very, very good, to compete with the Nationals for the division, and it's all because of you know, this structure of team that we have, which is the, the, the really high-end starting pitching in the front end of the rotation. And, you know, you figure stuff out as any team's going to when you think about the fourth spot, the fifth spot, some of the issues with the bullpen and all this kind of stuff. But they definitely have, knock on wood, a triumvirate of, you know, really effective starting pitching, especially if Harvey can stay uh, healthy. So, you know, that all being said, it just gets to be a little bit tiresome when you're settling in for another season and you're thinking to yourself, all right, I sure hope we can win a lot of three to two ball games this year. And again, I'm complaining only because that's what I know how to do. There's plenty of teams that have no chance of watching their team win a World Series this year, and we know how that feels also. I'm just saying that from a Mets fan perspective, it's just, all right, gird my loins here, another season of watching excellent pitching and really less than excellent offense. That, that's really, I don't think that's an open week. Well, this is the way they're built. I mean, look, you're not wrong. And I, and I saw some of the signs in spring training, and I even said in the opening week uh, preview, and it, you know, Kevin Curtin, who I love at New York Post, I mean, he, he, you know, Joel Sherman, guys like that, I haven't seen them sound the alarm on the Mets' offense. But I said, I think they're going to be feast or famine. And that's what they were last mm-hmm. year. It's a team sure. that I think could have brownouts. We've seen brownouts. And I was glad to see Neil Walker, Walker say, hey, I struck out four times. It has nothing to do with the weather. Because if I heard that, I was going to be like, hey, guys, the Marlins are playing in the same conditions, and those guys are, are playing in South Florida. So let's not, let's not hear it. I mean, you look at the Marlins players this weekend. I mean, Jesus, you thought they were, we, the games were played in Antarctica. So I know it was cold. Yeah, well, it all, but, they all but, look like that to me, to be honest I mean, come with you. on. Let's, let's I mean, I never, I mean, I never guys. saw it. You're right. I think the Conforto thing is interesting because he doesn't fit, but he does fit. He really should be playing center field. I don't know how I feel about that. 
Granderson hasn't looked great defensively. I had concerns about that all along. When Lagaris comes back, you would think he would spot him not only defensively but against lefties. Uh, you, you know, maybe you, you play the whole first base thing with Bruce a little bit more uh, and get Flores the third. I mean, there's a lot of different options you can do to get Conforto win, but I don't know if him getting, I mean, this week, I don't know if he's going to play today. This is re- being reported early, so who knows when the lineup comes out when you guys are listening to it. But if he doesn't play to or even if he does play to get, you're looking at him maybe getting like six or seven at-bats this week. I'm not about the whole development thing. I don't think it's going to kill him, but I don't think that's the best use of the asset. I mean, at this point then, Send him down. You know who should be in his place? Either Lagaris. I mean, geez, Desmond Jennings could do what, what he's doing. Let's put it that way. They just signed yeah, Desmond Jennings. Uh, so. it's, it's a sticky situation, Mike, um, the whole Conforto thing, because I still believe that his best role and his most useful role, um, not, not just for the team, but even for him, is being with the club and playing maybe not every single day, but playing a lot. And I think what they need to do is start to phase. And I don't, I don't really have a high level of confidence that this is going to happen because the one thing that the Mets consistently still do, and it drives me crazy, is, is they allow the, the check they're writing to designate a lot of their decision-making. So, for example, and I'll, I'll be interested to see if this works the other way too with the fact that Jose Reyes is making peanuts. If he continues to scuffle – you know, is he going to lose his starting spot? Not impossible, uh, especially if Wilmer Flores would hit. But staying on message, with Curtis Granderson and Jay Bruce, yes, they make a lot of money. It's the last year of their contract. Curtis Granderson was a starter the entire time, did a lot for your team at different points. Last year was very up and down, um, you know, started to hit down the stretch and, uh, and did well, you know, down the stretch for them, but was awful in the first half of the year. And, you know, I think a guy like Curtis Granderson, very good eye, works along at that, gets it to 3-2, it seems like, every single time. Maybe he's going to strike out as a result, but, you know, works along at bats. Would love to see him off the bench as a pinch hitter, you know, two, three times a week. Um, I, I think that he's a, he's a guy who's getting a little long in the tooth, would benefit from, from some time on the bench. You know, Curtis, uh, I'm sorry, Jay Bruce, maybe not that same type of player. Maybe you want to continue to run him out in right field. You know, the problem with Jay Bruce is his defense is terrible. So you hold, you hold Granderson on the, on the bench. You know, Granderson is a guy who can go into the games late to play right field, where he's obviously played before for the Mets. So I think you need to start to phase Granderson into that fourth outfielder's role. And I would have liked to go into the season sort of accepting that and embracing that. But they didn't That's do it. They didn't want to do it. That's an expensive fourth outfielder. But you know what? Again, but you know what? I don't you know, understand. I don't understand that way of looking at it, though, Mike. It's a sunk cost. This this is a guaranteed contract well, where the guy has, has. That's where I'm going. The but, tra- but maybe I mean, the, maybe, maybe the, million dollar it might not be no. there. The, the trade market might right. not be there, and I don't necessarily not I don't necessarily not like him having him on the roster. It's not a matter of not wanting him on the roster. It's a matter of wanting to have Conforto playing close to every day, and Granderson being a guy who where he's at in this point in his career. I think he could be a very effective guy off the bench and playing two, two to three times a week. I, I don't know. I, I understand it's a very expensive guy. I, I look at it that way. It's a sunk cost. You're paying these guys the contract, whether you cut them tomorrow or whether they play 162 games a year. I have with me James Flippin, Flippin' Out Radio. He has a great podcast, Flippin' the Mic, over at SoundCloud. 
Um, you know, James, I, I said last week, you know, last year when I started, I said, you know, let me transition to something, you know, niche, Mets-centric. There wasn't many Mets podcasts. So I did this thing, started to see where it goes. Now I see everybody popping up with one. So maybe I'm a bit of a pioneer. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's good to see this. Well, you know, it, it's hard to get enough Mets content that's niche. So I, I know there's a market for it for sure. It's funny, man. I it, it just in terms of podcasts, you know, I, I've done my other podcast uh, that I now call Flipping Out Radio, um, and it's not really sports related. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sometimes we'll do a little sports, but it's not much at all. And I've often made the joke now that you're actually more unique nowadays if you don't have a podcast than if you do. <laughs> so that kind of it's like with the blog. Sometimes, right? You're right. You're yeah. Right. right exactly. Hey, I'll, I'll really, give you something, really, actually, you know, and this really might be true, right? Right. No, you're, I mean, you're Twitter's, right. Twitter's technically a microblog. Sorry, go ahead. That's true, and that's – I mean, everybody's kind of like uh, went from blogs to audio now. Hey, here's something that's going to drive you nuts because as someone who goes in, lives, and dies with this team, I, I looked it up here. So if you just put April and September, the Mets record, um, they were 32 and 17 in those two months, significant run differential in both of those those – those months that's 15 games over they finished uh what did they finish they finished 87 and 75 so they were 12 games over for the year they basically played may june july august four months of the year three games under 500 with the way that this off and now they had a lot of injuries the pitching was a different scenario but that's the kind of team this is they're going to have this really good stretch and you know who other one other mets team did that and actually won a division was the 88 Mets. If you look at the 88 Mets, had a really good April, May, really good late August to September, and they were uh, a 500 team for a large part of the year. Um, it might be I – mean, I mean, forget about the run differential. The run differential in, the, in, this, in these months that they were three under wasn't great. They actually were outscored in, in, in two of those months. So you know, this might be the kind of team that's going to have a very hot run, but play a lot of 500 ball because of what we talked about. Six inning starts, bully offense, unable to manufacture runs, and defense that obviously is, is suspect, but I don't think it's as bad as everybody thinks. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little worried about the outfield defense, I'm not going to lie. But um, I, I think that you're absolutely right. I think that the team is just, you know, the way that they're structured, they're prone to – peaks and valleys and it's not just the fact that they're still built on pitching it's the fact that their offense is slow the fact that their offense is built on the home run the fact that they don't manufacture runs there's that whole term that you know some people really fall in love with and some could care less about from a metrics perspective but they're very feast or famine and i think that it's just one of those things you know if the mets are able to get into the playoffs and obviously we all hope they do and go on a little bit of a run then we'll be thanking our lucky stars and the baseball guys. We have such starting pitching because it's like, oh wow, look at these three guys that we're going to be able to really lean on throughout the road, you know, the run here, and that's what we're going to try to do. And you get excited about that, and you saw in 2015 what you know what kind of results that can bring. Remains that over the 162 game slog, it's razor thin. The margin is just razor thin, and it and it means a lot of stressful baseball watching and to the extent that I'm complaining yeah I'm complaining just because I would like to see some time 
and 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 this is where I'm going to really get on my soapbox here, Mike. So I apologize. But sometime <laughs> in my life, I would just love to see like a a really balanced team that goes out there, and maybe they only have two hitters, okay? And they also happen to have a three hitter mm-hmm. in addition to having a guy like Cespedes for batting cleanup. So you know, it, it is what it is. It's it's um you, you complain because you can, and you follow the team as closely as you do. You know some of their warts, and um. You know, that's all there is to it. But opening week overreaction, I'm famous for it. So, before I ask you, as we as as we we get to the back half of this, um, you're in, you know we'll get we'll try to get a hint of optimism because there's got to be uh, some optimism uh, from James. Sure. Well, when I when I bring up, I mean, look at the right, yeah, the three starters. But but Travis Darnell, yeah. what what comes to mind when I bring up Travis Darnell? You, obviously, it's just a week. You know, some mm-hmm. good this week. Um, yeah. but there was a point before he got that double where I even tweeted, I'm like, there are days you feel can't hit, can't throw. And I don't want to hear this. It's just when there's uh, runners on base, he is not calling his own game. Unless I'm missing mm-hmm. something. I see him looking over to that dugout way too much. And maybe that's the team yeah. philosophy. Um, well, can't hit, can't yeah, throw, can't day. call his own game. What what you know the you know remember office space the old office space when they brought Peter in and he says well you know they brought Lumberg in and like well yeah what do you do what exactly you know what would you say you the do here needs to come in and say well what do you yeah do? the Bobs the the, the Bobs, Bobs. Need yeah I need the Bobs to sit I need the Bobs to sit Darno down and say well what do you do and and we'll see what yeah what exactly do you do here yeah that's great. that's a great <laughs> one um yeah I mean look I do think that you've seen a little bit out of Darno so far this spring to say he looks a lot better than last year, which isn't exactly saying much, but it's saying something. And I think that if he even somewhat resembles the guy that he was when he came back from injury two years ago, then he has a lot of value to the major league roster because it's just such few cats. There, there are so few catchers who hit at all. Um, yeah, his defense isn't great, and I don't know how much of that's mental. I don't know, because they say, you know, he's got a pretty strong arm. It looks like he does. It doesn't look like he's lollipopping the ball down there. His feet work is just kind of all over the place. I don't know, man. The problem is he's 27 years old. He's probably always going to be a bit of a work in progress, um, the injuries notwithstanding. So I think I've seen some things out of him. I, I would I would basically characterize him as, like, a, a pretty distant – you know, thought in terms of like the things that are bothering me about where they're at right now. Um, and that's probably a good thing because in the past or maybe going into the season, I probably would have ranked him a little bit higher as something I was going to be worried about. Um, now it's more just sort of the offenses and overall being kind of blah and just like, uh, here we go again. But um, yeah, I think Darno has shown that his bat looks a little bit quicker. He's getting the bat through the zone. I mean, that, that double that he hit into the gap was a huge hit and, and really, I barely remember having him having any last year. I mean, he he, he barely would like flip some singles out there every now and then last year. He didn't the stance was off. Power. The the bat fall. Yeah, right? so. I remember, and everyone yelled at me, just like they yell at me about Hansel Robles on Twitter. I love the uh, the stat police like to support that, but that's another story. But everyone yelled at me. Well, you're not a batting coach. Well, I'm not a batting coach, but I sure do know, having played softball, let's say at least, and even at my Sandlot days, that if the bat is all the way forward. And then the pitcher's throwing, it's going to create a little bit more time. And in this day and age of 98-mile-an-hour fastballs, I don't think you have the kind of time 
to be able to make that adjustment. Unless you're Gary Sheffield yeah. and you're really strong, and and that's another level. Or uh, uh, Julio uh, Franco. Play. Julio Franco obviously used to. Yeah, which he couldn't catch up to a fastball at the end. Yeah, he couldn't catch up to fastballs at the end anyway. He was an opposite field hitter. So, um, you know, you know, obviously that. So, um, I don't think Arizona is going to average seven and a half runs a game. I don't think Philadelphia is going to average six runs a game. That's where they're at now. Uh, The Mets actually are a skush ahead of San Diego and Atlanta when it comes to scoring. So I think I think things will get better. uh, you know, the, do you? You're not on the '97 loss train here, right? No, no. I, I think that the, the thing about it is, it's really more my complaint, and it's it's a an obnoxious one, but it is a complaint. It's a complaint that it's just not really. I, I'm just like I'm settling in here. I'm kind of crossing over to what it is to be a baseball fan of this particular team. I'm getting used to it again. I, I'm getting back into it. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. It's razor thin. It's it's you got to win the ball game three to two. It's you know if your starting pitcher doesn't have it that night, basically forget it because a big crooked number comeback is not going to be easy to find. And and is it an overreaction? Maybe to a certain extent. But you know what we've known from this team is that their offense does run and hide at times. And I'm going to throw you it's something else. It's not going to be a bad night. It's going to be a bad couple weeks. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to throw you one last thing here that I think bothers people. And I, don't, I think it's a good thing, but I could see where it bothers the average fan. This is mm-hmm. a very business-like team. There's not a lot of, okay, here's another office space term, flair, on this team. Mm-hmm. 2016, Willie was the – Willie Randolph was the business-like guy, but you had Delgado and Beltran and Reyes and Wright Young, and they did the dancing. People hated them. I think, and look, this is the way you, you know, Sandy Alderson's building a team that he wants, which is go out there, grind it out, get the incremental wins. Baseball, at its essence, is not a sexy sport because it's a lot of little wins in this course of a game, a lot of little wins over the course of the season, and then you look up and you're like, wow, um, you know, you got a 95 win team. That's not sexy, you know. There's not that flair, and I think. Obviously, it's ex- accentuated on nights where it's you know forty degrees and uh, uh, they're not hitting. I think that bothers fans. But this is the team. It's not going to be a team that's all of a sudden going to steal bases, run. You know, it's very methodical. And I think that bothers the fans. I don't know. Yeah. I'm throwing that well, one. Look, I, I talked I, about it in the open. I, I don't know if that that makes sense to you. It does. It makes sense to me, and here's why. I think that in terms of where baseball gets criticized and where there's detractors of the sport in general, and kind of like the old stereotypical thing that you hear from people who don't like baseball, where you're sitting around waiting for something to happen. And in terms of the Mets offense, it's really true. I mean, you're, you're basically just sitting back waiting for that two- to three-run home run that's going to change the game, and you hope it happens at the point in the game where it really flips the whole score and, you know, that the, the, the guys go with a W. But, you know, the Mets offense is very much built on that. And when it comes to – it's just one of those things. You know, when I remember when I was a kid, the the times when – or, or when you're playing baseball, if you're playing in Little League or you're playing in softball, whatever it may be, it's exciting to go up to bat. That's the exciting time. It's like, all right, we just got out of it. You know, the defense part of it, we're not playing defense right now. We're playing offense. And so often when you're watching these Mets games, you don't have that level of anticipation. You don't have that level of excitement. 
because there's just not a whole lot of juice on the offensive side. It's, it's hoping for the home run, which is very exciting, and you love to watch home runs, but it's a fleeting thing. It happens in a moment. It's, it comes and it goes, and, and it's not – there's not a whole lot of rallies. There's not a whole lot of anticipation with a speedy runner on first. You, you referenced that whole part of the game. Um, you know, people want to see hits. People want to see doubles into the gap, and, and you know, strikeouts and, and excellent pitching performances, they're great. I love them. You're a baseball purist. You'll love them. You know, the pitching duel is, is great. And everybody says that if you're a diehard baseball fan. But, you know, sometimes you'd like to see you guys go out there and just kind of wallop it a little bit. And, you know, again, opening week overreaction, 100%. However, here's, here's what I'll leave you now for a couple of years. Here's where I'll leave you. This is going to be your future oh, if, as a Mets fan sitting in front of the television at the ballpark. If you cover a game, if you're talking about it at uh, Flipping the Mic, your, your podcast over at SoundCloud. Your future is the, the formula for this team to be successful is an inning with a crooked number, uh, maybe one or two innings a game with a crooked number, six or seven innings out of the starters, Salas, Blevins, Reed, Familia when he comes back. And that's the win. And those yeah. two innings, if you happen to be you know, out in the backyard doing lawn work, if you happen to have to you know, go get the laundry – if you happen to have to switch over because you want to watch a sitcom or you're on a you know a date and you can't be there, you're going to have to capsulize those innings because if you miss them, then you're basically going to be watching you know men at work. I mean, taking care of yeah. business. The old the old the old song from uh, when the Mets used to win, if you remember back on the Willie, taking care of business. Men Absolutely. at work. Yep. Get your Boxing lunch pail out. Get your lunch pail out. Get the James Flippin Mets lunchbox. And go, and that's what you got to do. I, Just make sure you're not on I a wish. date the two innings they score a game. That's what I want. I know. Then you're well, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I miss that song. I miss the, the Taking Care of Business song they used to play. I don't even know what they play now when they went. And um, fond memories of being at, at Shea Stadium in the mid-2000s. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's really what it is, man. Is it, it's, it's really just that they are predicated on the big swing. They have a lot of um, – you know, powerful hitters who aren't going to really string together a lot of hits and, and hit for an extremely high average. I would just like to see, and, you know, you referenced the Neil Walker thing, and, and I'll, this will be kind of like my final comment. Um, he goes out there, he strikes out four times last night, and he says in the post game, oh, you know, the cold has nothing to do with it. Well, you know what? I would like to be able to watch the game and actually kind of believe that. Because last night and even the night before, I shouldn't say that. Friday night they were they were squaring the ball up, but they were just kind of hitting the ball right at some some people. Um, last night was bad, man. I mean, I'm looking up. I was working, so I really couldn't watch the game that closely. But their half of the inning couldn't have gone any quicker most of the time. They weren't taking very good at bats late in the game. They couldn't. They didn't seem very interested in in you know playing the game. That kind of thing bothers me because look, it's 162 games. I get it. Very, very, very long season. You can't freak out about any one given game. But you know who doesn't give it bats away? It's Drupal Cabrera. You know who really embodies that business-like approach that you're talking right. about while still also somehow yep. having fun? It's Drupal Cabrera. Yeah. So I just want to see this team kind of like back up some of the talk that was part of this you know, spring training and leading up to the season where – you know, okay, you guys expect to be really good. You're, you're talking, you know, sort of in a, in a thinly veiled way about wanting to, to get the brass ring. 
all right, that's fine, but guess what? you got to go out there and at least put good at bats together against these teams. Nobody's saying we're expecting you to win every single game. But, you know, Adam Conley breezing through six innings like it was nothing, that bothers me. And is it just one night? Eh, you know, okay, fine. But, again, we've seen this for, for some time now where when this offense goes away, it hides for a while. And that gets annoying after a while. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. That, that's a really annoying fan experience when your team has absolutely no chance of scoring in the last. So we'll see what happens. Today's a new day. That's the great thing about baseball. And uh, hopefully it's just another famous opening week overreaction. Flipping out radio at SoundCloud. You got flipping the mic. You're uh, doing news uh, at WOR. Obviously, if, you, uh, if you're an NBA fan or if you're on Sirius, I know that you, you kind of do some back-end work there. So you're not on the air, but you're involved with all the personalities that I know everybody knows and loves. We mentioned Casey Stern earlier. Anything else that I missed? What, where else can they find you other than on uh, Twitter? And let me make sure that uh, JMA Drop, right? Is that correct? At JMA Drop, and they could yep. follow you and watch that's you right. J- about the game? That's right, J-M-A-D-R-O-P. Yep, that's me, Jama Drop. And, uh, yeah, I have another podcast, man. Like I said, the, the Flipping Out Radio thing is really a non-sports podcast. It gets a little political. It gets a little newsy, um, cultural. You know, I like to have fun with it. And I sometimes sports, but usually like an ironic look at sports. Like, oh, can you believe this happened? So, um, yeah, check me out on Twitter. I would love to interact with people there, especially Mets fans. If you want to, if you want to have a guy on your timeline that's basically saying like, "What are these trips? This is pathetic. I can't believe. I can't handle it." I, you know, if you want somebody who basically is like really um, living and dying with every single time the Mets leave a runner stranded at second, I'm your guy. Well, I'll leave you with is this. Is you know go back to the whole office space thing. Make sure you have your thirty pieces of flair ready, and we'll go right at it. And we'll get as many as four people under you in one of your jobs. As long as you have up to four okay. people, that's a big promotion. That's a big promotion, yeah, right. James. The flipping the that's mic. A big, promotion. a big promotion for you. Exactly. <laughs> so just give give me my red stapler and, and uh, don't talk to me about how many people you think listening. Anybody under thirty. You think they know our references here? Or you think they haven't watched that movie? I hope so, man. I hope so. That's a classic movie. I mean, that's a that's a didn't movie do well that... in the movie theater. Didn't do well in the movie no. theater. Did well on uh, DVD. That's the amazing part I read about I, it. I was gonna say I was gonna say VHS. Isn't that embarrassing that I was about to say that? Yeah, but, um, well, no, <laughs> late nineties. Yeah, but no, honestly, it's, it's a it's a cult classic. Well, anyway, hey. uh, you know what? I, I'm gonna say this. Okay, I know you got to go. I know I appreciate you having me on. This was great. Um, I think maybe the Mets offense just has a bad case of the Mondays. <laughs> That's a good one. Hey, tell the guys if you see Pete, Joe, and all those guys, tell them I said hello. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't annoyed them in a while. So tell them I will. I will see them. <laughs> I will actually see them today because, believe it or not, I'm producing the Devils game, the Devils season oh. finale. They're playing the Red Wings in Detroit. I'm producing that game from WOR, and uh, I will see them both today. Hey, listen, if you guys can get Jim Brewer on the Sports Zone, there's no reason why I shouldn't get a phone call to get a Mike Silva segment over there. So put a good word in for me over there, right? I, I will put in a good word, Mike. I, you know, that, that, that baboots, he rules with an iron fist. But I will, uh, yeah, I no will absolutely. Kidding. I know. <laughs> no kidding. All right, man. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Be well. And you I'll, too, I'll call you the next time they're on a seven-game losing streak, all right? Sounds good. <laughs> I'm your guy. Yep, absolutely. Take care. All right. All that's, right. Uh, that's James Libin. Flipping out radio and uh, good stuff on Twitter. Let me make sure I get his uh, handle right at J A M A Drop on Twitter. 
flipping the mic. Want to thank Jim, excuse me, Jim James for coming on and, and spending some time with us today. Hey, we're out of time. Hope everybody had a great show. Of course, you could check out the show all the time at MetsBrizeOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silver Media, and you can check out the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silver. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Enjoy the game tonight, and I will see you next week. Take care. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.